Coming to you live from a fogged out apartment somewhere in the United States, it's the TH Cinema Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the TH Cinema Podcast. My name is Dan, and with me, as always, is the bow and arrow to my little baby Cupid. (laughs) How sweet it is. The Hallmark Corporation and Big Chocolate Syndicate to my capitalism-generated holiday. I'm fine with it. (laughs) Snort. Hello. Silent John. Ayo. And Frank couldn't be here tonight. So, we just finished smoking a lot of weed. Yeah. I feel a little melty. A little total eclipse of the heart. <laughs> well, I didn't even think about that while we were listening to it. What perfect timing. Because it's Valentine's Day. And for Valentine's Day, we're going to be watching They Came Together. Yes, they did. <laughs> I think. I haven't seen it. I don't know. I don't know how much caming is happening. <laughs> So They Came Together is a fun romantic comedy with Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd. And it's kind of, like I said in the last show, like it's a love letter to rom-coms while somehow still being a parody of it. So it's light, it's goofy, it's also kind of, you know, stupid. But (laughs) great cast, lots of great cameos. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Yeah, I'm really excited to see who pops up in this movie. Like, I feel like there's going to be a lot of uh, hidden gems in <laughs> that show up. Yeah, I hadn't even ever heard of this movie until you brought it up randomly one time. But I'm really excited to watch it. I'm surprised that I haven't already seen it. So, Yeah, but before we get into that, uh, we do want to get into a little bit of movie news. Um, obviously, the biggest story that came out this week is the nominations for the Razzies. <laughs> <laughs> Very prestigious awards. Stupid. The big news coming out of the Razzies is, uh, firstly, Amy Adams getting nominated for both Worst Supporting Actress and Worst Actress. She pretty much got nominated for every movie she did last year. Taryn Manning also getting nominated for Worst Actress and Worst Supporting Actress. (laughs) The Ben Affleck nomination, everybody on the internet is kind of hemming and hollering over already. I haven't seen the movie Ben Affleck's in, but it's, apparently it's good, but they just kind of put his name in there so that they would get a little bit more press, and uh, obviously yeah. it's working. That's kind of how it feels, because I've seen a lot of praise for him in that movie, so it is kind of weird to see him show up here. You just have to put big names in there, or people don't care, you know? So. And one of the biggest names for the Razzies this year actually got his own category, uh, the worst <laughs> performance by a Bruce Willis in a movie. <laughs> He has put out enough straight-to-DVD bullshit fucking movies this year. Straight-to-streaming. DVD doesn't exist anymore because it's not blockbuster in 2004. (laughs) Straight-to-streaming movies this year that he earned himself his own category. I think there was a... He was nominated for seven or eight films this year. My God. Can you believe he's submitted that many terrible movies in one year? Wow. So, much like a fall from Nakatomi Plaza. (laughs) Bruce Willis's career has come down to the Razzies. <laughs> but at least he's a shoe-in, right? Yeah, he has his whole fucking category. Better have that speech ready, Bruce. <laughs> what do you think his thoughts on that are? See, I don't think he gives a fuck. I mean, if, if he has a whole category of movies that are this bad, he's just... 
He doesn't give a shit about anything anymore. If you get an entire category nominated to you, you show up for that fucking award. Oh no, I hope he does. You've I, got you've got to. You just have to play into it. Like and then it's it's a cool thing. Yeah. But one thing Bruce Willis didn't get nominated for this year was the Oscars. No surprise there. <laughs> Uh, me, I am the comic booky nerdy Dan. I know nothing about the Oscars. Well, I know about the Oscars. I know they exist. <laughs> but my good friends Snort and John are actually very animate about watching every single Oscar movie every year. We are. It's our thing. <laughs> I will give credit to the Oscars for expanding my taste in movies. If it wasn't for the Oscars, we probably wouldn't have watched a movie like The Lighthouse. Uh, the last go around the Oscars really opened my eyes to exploring different things so I have a soft spot for all these kinds of movies I agree we were so excited for the nominations coming out so just real quickly to fill everyone in and get our thoughts about uh kind of some of the big stuff that happened nominated for best picture we have Belfast Coda Don't Look Up Drive My Car Dune King Richard Licorice Pizza Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. So we have 10 nominees. It's a lot. Yeah. And I will say, out of seeing 8 out of 10 of these already, pretty expected. Very expected. And those are the nominees for Best Picture. A lot of really solid films in that list. I have seen one of those films in that list. We have seen... Eight out of ten of those movies on that list. And we'll definitely be watching the other two. But an interesting thing to kind of break it down. So The Power of the Dog got a total of 12 nominations. So pretty strong leading into be Best Picture. Uh, Dune has ten. Belfast has seven. And West Side Story has seven. Those are the heavy hitters of Oscar movies. Yes. So... Later on, when we do our Oscar Best Picture episode, we will most likely be watching one of those movies. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. You guys have a lot to choose from because Dan has not seen them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with like 10, you know, Best Picture nominees, as the Dan that I am, one of the things that I noticed wasn't there was a little movie called Spider-Man No Way Home. (laughs) Now, I know it's the biggest movie ever, but they also deserve a little statue. And from what I've been reading on the internet post-nominations, people are kind of, you know, a little upset about it. And the last time this happened was when uh, The Dark Knight won, because it got snubbed when the noms list came out. And everyone went fucking batshit crazy on the internet over it, and they opened up additional nominees and promised to put more mainstream films into the Oscars Best Picture category. Well, and they have done it recently. Black Panther got nominated for Best Picture when it came out but i am not surprised that spider-man did not get nominated and i'm not upset about it well i am looking over the nominee list right now and i am seeing a lot of marvel alumni yeah j jonah jameson's getting a nom again (laughs) which was a big surprise spider-man number three (laughs) getting his nom deservedly so damn it yes and dr strange I think that Marvel and Disney have corralled. I know Leo's on a diff in a different like little clique of, you know, production studios. Yeah. But I honestly think Disney Marvel has corralled like the single best 
group of actors and actresses when you look in terms of awards volume like if you look at any other like you know like let's let's take wb let's look let's look at the uh the dc cinematic universe how many oscar noms you got all over that motherfucker two maybe not many i can't think of any off the top of my head i'm sure there's one or two but yeah i don't know but every Marvel trailer could literally start with Academy Award nominee so-and-so, Academy Award nominee so-and-so, Academy Award winner so-and-so, Academy Award nominated director so-and-so. Like, it's ridiculous the amount of talent they've been able to corral. And not only corral, but they're also, like, building off of each other. I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch, he was a fucking, he was Sherlock in on a BBC show, like, mm-hmm. what, six years ago? Seven years ago? And now he's Academy Award nominated Benedict Cumberbatch? It's very impressive. And the crazy thing is... They keep doing it. They keep adding to their deck of cards. It's either they're bringing in previously nominated or previously Oscar winning actresses or actors or even producing like somebody like Benedict Cumberbatch starting off in the Marvel Universe and then expanding and becoming a a future Oscar, you know, nominee. And and I'm not saying Benedict Cumberbatch was propelled because of Marvel. He has a lot of underrated gems. We've seen a lot of Benedict Cumberbatch films, and he's a really good actor, so I'm happy he's finally, you know, getting the recognition he deserves. But you can't say Doctor Strange didn't help push him a little bit. Yeah, and like I said, like working with that level of talent alongside of you, you just you perfect your craft a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You get better by being surrounded by better. Yeah, yeah. And that's what Disney Marvel has done at this point. So yeah, I'm really excited to see my Marvel folks my nerdy Dan Marvel folks represented <laughs> in the award show. I will say the most exciting thing coming from the Oscar nominations for me was Kristen Stewart getting nominated for Spencer in the lead actress category. It's what I was hoping and what I thought should get nominated, but I didn't think they were going to do it. Yeah, she pretty much overcame all the odds because she was supposed to be getting nominated at every award show before the Oscars and nobody was doing it. It really bothered me because she deserves to be nominated and I'm glad the Oscars stepped in. They're the big dogs and they acted like the big dogs. Yes. So, the most exciting thing from the Oscars. Which is a fun thing because coming up in the future, our little uh, Twilight Double feature featuring... Academy Award nominated... Kristen Stewart. Which, let's pause that for a second, because we are currently on the path to Pattinson, and he is one of the main stars of Twilight. She is nominated before he is, and I really thought it would be the other way around. Are you trying to tell me that the Twilight universe might have as much star power and talent as the Marvel universe? No, just really between those two. (laughs) (laughs) But as much fun as Oscar season is, we're not there yet. It's a little way down the path. Because right now it's a season of love. It's Valentine's Day. Yeah. You're saying that love is in the air right now? Well, I mean, there's a lot of smoke in the air, so you could (laughs) say there's some love in there. The smoke is a metaphor for love. We do love what we're smoking. Ew. (laughs) But as per our holiday traditions, we prepare special holiday questions, and our friend Snort has done that for our Valentine's Day. And I have to tell you guys, a little behind the scenes is I sent out our holiday questions a little ahead of time so you can think of your answer. We don't tell each other, but we're stoners. We forget stuff. 
we gotta write it down in our phones. So I go to Google and try to find questions. Looking for Valentine's Day questions, guys, was the most difficult thing because all I found were couple questions. <laughs> and this podcast is gonna take a very strange turn. So that's why the questions we have are kind of random, but I thought it'd be fun little Q and A. So to start off, what would you say your favorite rom com is? So I think for me. I would lean towards forgetting Sarah Marshall. I think it's a very underrated movie. And the counterpart of who we're watching tonight, Paul Rudd, is in this movie in one of my favorite small roles that he has. I think he gives one of my uh, my favorite movie quotes ever in this movie. When life gives you lemons, just say fuck the lemons and bail. <laughs> you do say that all of the time, and I don't know if I knew where it was from. <laughs> it, it's easy to use in everyday life. You just kind of throw the hands out, well, when life gives you lemons... Lemons Bale. <laughs> well, Dan, what is your favorite rom-com? I'm a little bit older. So my rom-com is... Okay, so there was a there was a twist probably around 51st Dates where rom-coms started being a little bit different than they were previously. I can okay? see that. If you, if you look at like the late 90s, early 90s rom-coms compared to things that happened after The Sandler. Yeah. Major difference. So I actually track to earlier rom-coms mm, more so okay. than the later ones. Because that was my era growing up. That's what's on TNT in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, so mine is a medium-known rom-com from the mid-90s called America's Sweethearts hmm. with America's Sweetheart Julia Roberts. Okay. And late 80s, early 90s brooding boy, Mr. John Cusack. Hmm. Where they play actors who are on a press junket together doing a press junket for a rom-com that they're in. Sounds very meta. They were a real-life couple, and they've since broken up. So you get John Cusack kind of brooding around the whole time, all sad John Cusack. And then love, 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 love. But it's a fun little movie. I've never heard of that one. Yeah, I don't think I've heard of that, but it sounds pretty good, honestly. Yeah. You get a little bit of Billy Crystal, a little bit of Hank Azaria. Really? Stanley Tucci. Ooh. So like a younger Stanley Tucci, then. The (laughs) Walkin'? Mr. Chris? Solid, solid little rom-com. I think you guys would actually enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah, man, we'll have to watch it. That's Valentine's Day season. Well, I would say my favorite rom-com is Crazy Stupid Love. I think it's hilarious. I think it's definitely more calm than rom. <laughs> but <laughs> I personally think it's a little bit more drum than calm, but... See, and I don't agree with that at all. But I love it. I think it's great. It has the best cast. Are you kidding me? Well, that's why, because you, as a younger folk, get to identify with Emma Stone <laughs> and Ryan Gosling. But as an older person, I identify with Steve Carell, and that's a little bit more on the drum <laughs> than the calm. I, I could see that. Yeah. And don't forget, there's always Kevin Bacon. There's always room for bacon. <laughs> or you can just stay on the Gosling train, guys. Come on. We never left the Gosling train. <laughs> okay, this question, I'm really excited to see what you guys say is what is the funnest moment that at least the three of us have been included on? Can we all say it together at the same time in case all some of our answers are the same? That's a good idea, I think. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yes. On the count of three. One, two, three. Snorts Carpool birthday karaoke. karaoke. Oh. <laughs> but that's... But it, it was all... It's all the same thing. Okay, so contextually, so for Snort's birthday present a couple of years back... 
we shot a carpool karaoke music video starring us <laughs> that I cut together for her as a gift. And we sh- we screened the premiere <laughs> of our carpool karaoke video at Snort's birthday party on a big old screen in the middle of the woods. <laughs> Legit. Like the fucking middle of the boonies, it felt like. And it was the most amazing thing. The whole production of it. We had costume changes everything we did little interviews between the karaoke songs so that and it was all snort related because it was her birthday so it was all questions to her it was the my funnest memory up for all of us it's really hard to top that one there's a lot of really good ones but that's like i don't know the icing on the cake of of our friendship i think it was a very fun night okay next question is place you'd most like to visit uh, I've always wanted to go to like Greece, right on the coast, like Santorini. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Beautiful white plaster buildings and blue roofs and just drink some good fucking Greek liquor and just sit out in the sun of the Mediterranean. That sounds great. That sounds very relaxing. I'm into that. Silent John? To bounce off that, I'm going to say Italy. Ooh. Ooh. I would love to just walk up and down the streets and just take everything in. I feel like it's such a chill place. Their their dinners are like, how long is it? Like six five hours? hours? Five hours. A, a traditional Italian dinner is five hours and you're eating the whole five hours. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I need. It sounds eating like a stoner's drinking. paradise. Exactly. <laughs> is there an Italian word for mukbang? <laughs> <laughs> Well, my answer is still in the U.S., but it's it's such a trek to get there. It doesn't seem like it is Alaska. I really want to go to Alaska. I don't like the cold, but I that's probably like number two on my list. I just really, really want to go dog sledding, and what better place to do that in freaking Alaska? And you can see the northern lights in Alaska, and that's my number one bucket list item. Could you imagine being high and seeing the northern lights? It's almost like this living room. Oh, so pretty. <laughs> so it, also in the spirit of Valentine's Day, we're going to be watching uh, a rom-com that Dan has chosen to present to the class. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Dan. Let's talk a little bit about like middle school Dan a little bit more. <laughs> okay. I'm so excited for this. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's read that chapter. So, so let's, let's just frame it a little bit. All right. Kind of chubby, wearing venom button downs. Yeah, like oversized. <laughs> Completely. Yes. To make it not look as chubby. <laughs> and a big fan of Weird Al Yankov. <laughs> okay, so that's middle school Dan. So, knowing that's middle school Dan, we can just assume that one of middle school Dan's favorite things is parody movies. <laughs> Lines up pretty well. Checks out. And the early nine, the the mid to late nineties was a renaissance for the parody films. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you you're coming off of Airplane and all that kind of stuff, but there was a big lag, and then all of a sudden you've got like the Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part Two, uh, the scary movies. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. that was my fucking thing. So I love. I am a sucker for a good parody movie, and they came together somehow manages to be both a parody and a love letter to rom coms. Much like Cabin in the Woods was kind of a parody of a horror movie, yet somehow also a love letter to horror movies, you know? A little yeah. bit meta, poking out the little 
fucking cliches yeah. and stuff like that. And again, middle school Dan, that's right up his line of humor. And hearing you say that it makes me curious because I definitely had that phase in my life of really enjoying parody movies. But I think over time I just kind of grew out of it and don't even really give them a shot anymore. I, I felt like that wasn't my style of movie. But for some reason, this this feels like it's going to be a different experience. I think that's going to maybe change my outlook on these movies yet again. I, I'm really excited to give it a watch. Yeah, I'm like I said earlier, I'm just really excited to watch this. I'm surprised to have it. And I'm not the biggest fan of Amy Poehler. I guess really I've only seen her in Parks and Rec. She's one of my least favorite parts about it. But I think I will enjoy her in this. And with everybody else, like can't go wrong so yeah you can never go wrong with a little rud look i'll scream from the rooftops paul rudd if you're in a movie i'm gonna watch it so yeah i know you're not the biggest amy poehler fan uh i am a little worried because amy poehler is the main actress and the style of humor i don't really think is snort's style of humor uh this movie is uh written and directed by david wayne uh david wayne who also did red hot american summer okay uh so that whole crew came from a time in the early 90s Mm -hmm. where like MTV was the grungy, you know, like Nirvana era. They had a show on MTV called The State, which was a sketch comedy show. um, And it launched the career of a lot of people that you recognize. Michael Ian Black, uh, Thomas Lennon, the Reno 911 guys, Ben Garant, uh, Ken Marino. There's Hmm. a lot of a lot of people came out of that and obviously show up with David Wayne and his movies thereafter. So, yeah, you also have that to look forward to. But it's that style of humor. Which that style of humor, I mean, it works for me. So that's another reason why I'm looking forward to this movie. So I kind of have a confession to make, John. Okay. <laughs> Should I be concerned? When I chose this movie, uh-huh. Snort wasn't in the equation. <laughs> I picked this movie for you. Really? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Snort. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> what a Valentine's treat for me. Thank you, buddy. But this is for you. Like, the, when I watched this movie recently the first thing in my mind was how much john would love this fucking movie <laughs> dang you're really like pushing my hype through the roof right now i'm i'm really excited now sorry sorry snort i'm just long for the ride i'll make up for it next week it's okay <laughs> to be fair you you have yours coming <laughs> all right well if you uh what's that what's that at the door knock sound effects is that a heart-shaped pizza i sure hope so all right, well, let's eat some heart-shaped pizza, and let's watch some They Came Together. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. And now, our feature presentation. I found the movies. Norton John bought the snacks, and we're back, and we just watched They Came Together. What a sticky movie. It was a ride. So, Valentine's Day, love is in the air. Dan picked a rom-com. <laughs> Let's go first impressions. I think my first impressions is that I think it was good, but I just don't think it's for me. Um, if it wasn't for like all of like the cameos and like the seeing the fun people and stuff, you know, and really like Paul Rudd, I don't know if I would have loved it as much. This now would sum it up. Annoying, but charming. Okay, so much like Amy Poehler. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think it's, I think that's actually the perfect like comparison for an Amy Poehler Paul Rudd chemistry movie. It's like <laughs> annoying and then charming. But I think going into this movie, like I think I knew that that's what they were going to be going for. And yes, it is annoying at times, but it is so charming at times that you can't not enjoy it. Like to me, this movie is just like silly in the most like delightful kind of way. It's not all for me, but there's enough for me to really take a lot out of it and enjoy it. And like Snort said, there was a lot of like cameos and stuff like that in the movie. Like there was tons of faces. Like every single person in this movie is somebody that you know, like, you know, C-list, D-list, but somebody. And when the movie started, I was kind of upset because the credits kind of gave away a lot of like the reveals that I was very very excited for John to see. I'm kind of surprised they put all those names in the front, honestly. Like they got to an and and then they were like, uh, and we're going to keep going, we're going to keep going. I don't know why. I think I was distracted by our pizza is I literally didn't pay attention or read a single one until Ed Helms popped up. And that's the only one that was like the last one. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only one I saw. See, I I thought you would have seen all of them because you literally looked at it and said, and Ed Helms, (laughs) like you'd seen all of them and you were like, wow, all those people and Ed Helms. Like I thought (laughs) I had no idea you missed the first 15. So that's the impression I got. I thought you were just like, wow, that's a pretty stank case. No, I had no idea because there's someone in here that I really like and I did not see their name. I had no idea they were in this. So to you, you thought it was Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler, and Ed Helms. Yes. <laughs> That's all I knew going into it after the first scene. And the first scene takes us into a restaurant with Ellie Kemper and Bill Hader having dinner with Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler. And it's kind of the the thread that keeps the entire movie together. They keep cutting back to that because it's, you know, they're telling the story of their meet cute and their love and yada, 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 just kind of breaking it down. Which I thought was a fun way to present the movie, like the way they did that. Um, So they break in and, you know, the movie does take place in the city of New York, Mm -hmm. which is a character of its own. (laughs) You know, and they're throwing old cliches about, you know, Amy Poehler just broke up with her boyfriend and she's got her dog. And (laughs) Paul Rudd's got the smoking hot girlfriend, Colby Smulders, who doesn't really want him. And I don't really know anybody's character names. We're just going to go with actors. I think it's a little bit easier. (laughs) Halfway through the movie, I had that thought. I was like, we're going to talk about this movie and I'm just going to use the actors. How can you keep up with the names in this movie? Yeah, and it helps the audience to visualize who we're talking about. (laughs) So both these people are living in New York and... Paul Rudd is a candy executive from Big Candy. (laughs) And Amy Poehler owns the little candy shop that's being threatened by Big Candy. Very much in a uh, you've got mail, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan way. Which I actually was reading earlier today. That's actually based on a movie from the 1940s. Really? Yeah. I had no idea that You've Got Mail was a modern remake of an old movie. Dang, okay. Learn something new every day. Yeah, I didn't know that. Interesting. There's some Valentine's Day rom-com trivia for you. Fun little tidbit. Paul Rudd goes into work and goes and meets up with his best buddy, and we get a, we get we get a little Raffy bomb. I love a good Raffy bomb. He is literally in everything. Fucking Jason Manzuk is Bruce Willising all over the place. <laughs> no, because he's good at it all, though. But that's what's funny is he's just a, the same character. He was way more subdued in this movie than I thought he would be. He started off kind of Rafi-esque and then he was chill the rest of the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if you're falling out the window of a uh, skyscraper, <laughs> you only got to chill out from that point. I do think this is the chillest I've ever seen him in anything. Honestly, yeah. But someone in that office who had no chill at all was Paul Rudd's boss, Mr. Christopher Maloney. <laughs> 
What a fantastic treat he is in this movie. Probably my favorite character. Stole the fucking show, 100%. Absolutely hilarious. Um, so they're having the big business meeting, and they're going to have to take down the the little candy store. That's that's their big mission, you know. Amy Poehler's little sweet shop is threatening their big candy business. They're such monsters. So I, I did find it funny that it's established later that Amy Poehler knows Jason Manzoukas. Yes, yes. Through his wife. But Jason Manzoukas has no idea that this woman owns the shop that's on the TV in the board <laughs> meeting that they're about to destroy. <laughs> He has her over for three holidays, three parties, three. Hey, it's a pleasure to meet you, though. I guess it's just business, not business. (laughs) So Amy Poehler is looking for a way to save her candy shop from Big Candy. And she goes to her accountant, Mr. Mr. Ed Helms. Egg Helms. I loved a little bit about like, oh, you know, my my wife left me, ask my brother. (laughs) He's fucking behind and he's fucking behind him. That was actually direct, the director, David Blaine. Okay, so that's who that is. He yeah. looked familiar. I, I couldn't put a face to the name when, when you said it earlier. Yeah, but that's probably one of my favorite bits in it is just, ask my brother and then, <laughs> hey, buddy. Just so nonchalant. <laughs> and he just kind of stands up, explains it, and sits down. Like, So this movie has kind of like double rug pulls with its, yeah. uh, with its comedy cues. So the ask my brother kind of insinuates, you know, oh, my brother took my wife. <laughs> And then it's funny because the brother's there and maybe he took the wife, but he probably didn't. He was just there to explain he the just, entire thing. And then he just sits down and goes away. Double rug pulls. Yeah, which they they do it a lot and they do it so good in this movie. Yeah. And David Wayne's always been good at that, you know, Red Hot American Summer. Yeah. Exactly the same type of comedic <laughs> timing. So Egg Helms asks out uh, Amy Poehler and she's like, no, not right now, blah, 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 blah. And while this is all going on, Paul Rudd is planning to propose to Colby Smulders who doesn't love him. But before he does, he needs to see a little bit of advice from his basketball buddies. <laughs> what a great group of guys the, <laughs> these guys are. And it's another sea of faces. You know, you've got Keenan, Jack McBrayer, uh, and Ken Marino, Ken Marino shooting yep. fucking swishes. <laughs> He's a freaking basketball god out there. But they're all a little bit of the character that Paul Rudd is. And they're all giving him little pieces of advice about what to do with his love life. Which, again, is a very, like, rom-com, cliche kind of thing, you know? But, it's again, it's not making fun of it. It's kind of just making it bigger, taking a magnifying glass to it. It's hard to be making fun of it and stuff when it's Paul Rudd also. (laughs) Like, you can't get around it. You're just, it's just, aw, no matter what it is. Because he's the charm side of the (laughs) charm-annoying Amy Poehler chemistry. (laughs) So Paul Rudd goes to propose to Colby Smulders, and he gets in the apartment, and uh-oh, Colby Smulders is banging his rival from work, seven feet behind him, in full view while he's got his back turned, talking about how much he, just, again, perfect. It's just one of those dumb, funny moments that, because of Paul Rudd, it just works for me. I think that was one of those, like, it's kind of annoying moments for me. But not as annoying as I know you were with the you look like you've had a rough day. <laughs> I could say that again. I hated that scene so much. I get it. You do it for a little bit and it's funny and stuff, you know, but they did it way too long. And I understand that was the point, blah, blah, blah. But no, 
I could have done without that. See, I'm, I'm kind of with you on it. As much as I love the humor of this movie, I'm with you on it because there's a very small window where you can take something funny, make it annoying that it's gone on too long, but make it annoying enough that it's gone on too long that it becomes funny again. That window is so small. And I think they were one tell me about it off from that window. Only one? Just one. (laughs) Because again, double rug pull, it would have had to go up there, back down, and then back up again. But that second valley is really quick. No, I get it. It it was definitely really funny, but uh, I would have taken a couple of them out. I mean, it's similar to like the hot rod seed, the cool the cool beans. You know, they at least took it and made it interesting. This yeah. one's just fucking just keep it, keep it going, keep it going. And it got me, but it, it didn't drink just a little bit. Yeah, uh, cool beans for you know to be fair did fucking like smash right through that window perfectly because <laughs> it's just so fucking out of place in that movie. But it's funny as hell. So Joel's all sad, he's broken up, and he's, he's talking to Jason Menzoukas, and Jason Menzoukas is like, oh, we're having a Halloween party, but Joel's got a problem with Halloween. <laughs> and it's not, it's not ghosts. A little bit ghouls, but not ghosts. It's <laughs> not ghosts. <laughs> See, he was jumped by 30 trick-or-treaters last Halloween. It was on the news. Everybody saw it. And he's just not down with Halloween, but, you know, Jason Menzoukas is able to convince him, with a little bit of help from Paul Rudd's brother. <laughs> My favorite character in the movie. And unfortunately, he's not getting an actor's name because he's just Schmidt. (laughs) Every character, Schmidt 24-7. And I love it. Unless he is Bieber Schmidt. The Justin Bieber costume (laughs) that he's wearing just, but like when it just pops up on screen, it just fucking kills me. Just cuts straight to the... (laughs) Oh my goodness. So Paul Rudd decides, you know, okay, I guess I'm going to go to this Halloween party and he's supposed to meet with Amy Poehler. Like, oh, you know, I got a friend, blah, 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 blah. He's wearing a Ben Franklin costume, carrying some tomatoes. (laughs) She's wearing a Ben Franklin costume, carrying some bobbin apples. (laughs) They bump into each other, drop all their fruits or vegetables, depending on how you see tomatoes (laughs) perceived, and say one of my other favorite lines from this movie, which is, I didn't run into myself. Dressed exactly the same. Like, it just, like, it's the little things in this movie that I just fucking love. See, I haven't even, I didn't even pick, it, pick up on <laughs> these things at all. I think it needs more re- rewatches to get those. And then there, you know, we both have different Halloween parties to go to. Oh, it's the, we're both going the same street. Oh, it's the same building. Oh, it's the same elevator. Again, it's the compounding <laughs> humor off of itself. And then we get the title of They Came Together. They do the thing. They say the title. I'm such a sucker for it. They're at the party together and they are not vibing. She finds out that he's part of Big Candy. He's trying to get to know her a little bit and she's just like, oh, eye rolling him away. And they're at the dinner table. And again, this is another one of those little things that I really love. When they're at the dinner table and she gets up to, and throws the drink on him and walks away. The fucking empty drink. Like the smallest, tiniest <laughs> amount of water. And there was no sound effect behind it. It was just dead silent. Not like a little bit, not the overblown one. It was just, they literally just cut the sound for that one. And it was uh, little things. And the face he makes too when she throws it at him. Like he got covered with a fucking gallon. For how little of water there was, it felt super dramatic. (laughs) But as much as I love something subtle like that, I also love like the up in your face stuff. Like the subtitles going back and forth between Jason Manzoukas and his wife. And then he sneezes and they all fall down and he has to scoop them up with like little Scrabble letters. 
It's just like one of those what the fuck moments. And this movie has multiple of those that we're going to get to. Oh, and we are at one because uh, Mr. Christopher Maloney's at this party also. <laughs> dressed in a super suit. I have to say, I thought this scene was going to go an entirely different way. And then it unfolds to what it is in all of its brown glory. It could have gone very dumb and dumber very quickly. <laughs> but again, classy parody movie. <laughs> Classy funny movie, classy comedy. They kind of just insinuate that Christopher Maloney's shit himself because it's a classy movie. <laughs> but that's fine because he leaves the costume in the bathroom. Yeah, because who's going to notice? Takes a shower and comes out as Mr. Shower Guy. <laughs> what is this guy, Prince, just changing costumes every 10 minutes? The genuine outrage on that man's face as people were accusing him of it as he storms out. Just Christopher Maloney, again, one of the best parts of this fucking movie. I think that whole scene of him <laughs> trying to turn the tables on them, like, okay, maybe somebody got into into the suit. And <laughs> just slowly getting more upset at them for it is probably the best scene in the whole movie for me. <laughs> All right, I'm going to, I got to go. <laughs> Who do you think did it? I'm disgusted with all of you. <laughs> Fucking Jason Manzuka's just deadpan delivery. So after the party, Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler go off on their own little thing, and but they run into each other at the bookstore a little bit later, and they're vibing. A little bit. They're both like fiction. Big fiction fans. Wait, you like fiction too? Love fiction. The, the line of, you're the only person I've ever met. <laughs> But again, this is a little callback to You've Got Mail, bookstore type stuff, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, And it's the classic rom-com meet-cute type thing, you know? Yeah. And I, I love that like they dodge that also in the intro, like when they're passing each other in the subway station and he drops his paper and she picks it up for him. Yeah. Like that's a classic New York, That that's the point in a rom-com where they should meet. Yeah, that's what we've seen like a million times in movies. What we don't see a million times in movies is this fucking muffin order that... uh. Amy Poehler lays out. I'm going to say, another annoying moment <laughs> for me. Hated it. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that reaction at all. <laughs> but the little cutaway to the board. At the very Cup end. of coffee and a number three. Perfect. So they have a little coffee date and they're sitting there and, you know, they're making making little jokes and learning about each other. And they end up going to Amy Poehler's house for dinner. She's going to make him her, her world famous mac and cheese. Mm, love that mac. I love that Paul Rudd's walking in with the bags of groceries and there's not one, not two, but three baguettes. <laughs> I didn't even pick that Sitting up. out of the bag. <laughs> Another little thing. It's brilliant. And so they have dinner. He meets Amy Poehler's son, you know, finds out that the dad was doing T-I-M-E in jail. <laughs> it's low hanging fruit, but they fucking nail it. They really do. And Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd kind of have a little heart-to-heart, -heart and she drops the little, you know, Chekhov's gun of, if I was ever to get married and it, I didn't want to, I'd go to this place. Not Boston. No. <laughs> Boston. <laughs> so they have a little awkward moment and kind of like, you know, don't talk for a little bit mm -hmm. and whatnot. And Paul Rudd's brother, uh, Mr. Schmidt, <laughs> talks him into uh, giving it another shot. I think it was in that scene that I was like, okay, they casted Schmidt, the perfect person for this movie, was that scene. Just getting completely head-shakingly upset about something is a very Schmidt way to go. Well, they're in like a fucking loft, too, so it just feels... 
<laughs> like what you've seen before, but it's still amazing. Winnie the Pooh's going to pop out of the vents at any minute. Fucking <laughs> bring out the whole gang. I'm kind of surprised they didn't show up, honestly, now that I think about it. So Schmidt convinces Paul Rudd to go apologize to Amy Poehler and ask her out. So he goes to her store to apologize, and she goes in the back to get a makeover because she looks like a chimney sweep. <laughs> Which, again, that's very low-hanging. Like, putting someone in a full Jimmy Soup costume. It's too obvious, but that's what makes it funny. Well, and even what they circle around to, she comes out as like of a knight. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, the little montage of her getting her little makeover in the back while Paul Rudd's kind of just standing in the store, like, looking around for it <laughs> to make his apology and eventually gets bored and leaves. We do find out when uh, they finally do talk that uh, Paul Rudd's middle name is actually Joel. And he just now put it together that it's Billy Joel <laughs> so they go out to dinner uh, and get back together and Paul Rudd goes back to Amy Poehler's place and things get a little randy they start rolling around this apartment like cats in heat just knocking shit off of counters and knocking over towers of knickknacks although they conveniently placed towers of knickknacks and she picks up a vase and just throws it so again Things that are just way too over the top obvious. Too many things. You know, it's funny when it's one. It's funny when it's 15. It's not funny when it's like three. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so when it's over the top, that's what makes it funny. Um, And then we get a nice little uh, montage of them being in love around New York, the third character. (laughs) Playing with leaves. Dead body. Wild dead body. No big deal. (laughs) Playing football. Marsha Brady. (laughs) And all of a sudden, we're actually in a music video with Nora Jones. <laughs> and who is it? Adam Scott and uh, John, John Stamos. John Stamos. <laughs> it's just another brilliant way to insert more people into this film. And after that was another one of my favorite uh, sight gags, like little bits. Uh, the drive up to the parents when the car is coming down the highway and they're doing the voiceover and it just pans and Paul Rudd's taking a piss on the side of the road talking to her behind his back. Well, because my thought was like, why are they driving in the middle of the road? And then you get the rug pull and it's him just, yep. <laughs> another well done double joke. It's it's the comedy equivalent of a rope dope Yep. They go up the country to meet the parents, and uh, things get a little awkward to start. Just a little. Just a little. Uh, Amy Poehler's mom kind of uh, propositions Mr. Paul Rudd. I don't blame her. Well, of course, how, she's not in the wrong here. I mean, really. Oh, she's in the road. <laughs> she's shooting her shot. Hey, respect. But it's all a test to see if Paul Rudd would bang Amy Poehler's mom and Amy Poehler and her dad pop out from behind the curtains and let him know you know you're the first one that hasn't banged Amy Poehler's mom (laughs) and failed this test which is pretty much just saying hey we like to watch dudes come over and rail her mom yeah what the fuck but not the most what the fuck because then we get to the dinner scene and then the bombshell comes I love that it's just little like subtle like at first it's like it's an atomic bomb out of nowhere it's just one little word drop did i hear that oh i did hear (laughs) that right because they're fucking nazis and they just go about it so nonchalantly and joel who has been described in this movie as vaguely jewish enough to uh, (laughs) be a lead actor in this movie is just kind of flabbergasted by it as is the audience and it's just a great fucking scene though because it just comes out of nowhere 
Well, and it, it takes the the awkward dinner scene that you've seen in so many movies in the past and just makes you feel really uncomfortable. So Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler go back to Amy Poehler's house. They have a little conversation about what's going on here. Oh, my parents are just quirky, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> they break up. Paul Rudd goes back to his apartment and who's waiting there, but Colby Smulders, who wants to get back together. Swooping back in. But tells him all the reasons why he shouldn't. But you gotta give he it a so shot. Does. Yeah. He's so charming and sweet. He's sold. Doesn't matter. So they do get back together in spectacular fashion with some WWE-esque uh, <laughs> acrobatics. Playing the old SmackDown, if you know what I mean. I really appreciated the Rikishi butt drop. <laughs> they had everything in there. Fucking helicopter. <laughs> but... All of that was just in Bill Hader's imagination in the restaurant while I was hearing the story because that's what he was imagining happening. Great hard cut. So then we get Ed Helms coming back in. Which I was surprised about. I thought he was done. You thought it was one and done with even with and Ed Helms? Yeah. I was just like, oh, okay. I guess the and is a little misleading. Yeah. There's exactly. another bait and switch. You just thought it's one Ed Helms. No, he's a major player in the third act. So Ed Helms comes back into the picture and asks Amy Fuller out, and she's just depressed enough to say yes. And they go out on a dinner date. I love some cringy-ass Ed Helms. And fuck, that is such a good cringy-ass Ed Helms scene. <laughs> I really hated that scene for how, how cringe it was. <gasps> no, it's I, I don't like fiction. It's not real. <laughs> you get that, right? You, you understand none of this happened. But even down to like the way he's ordering the Mexican food with the with the lisping, terrible accent. Love it. Fucking love it. Eat that shit up with a spoon. And he burns his mouth on the first bite. It's the dumb shit like that that keeps me so engaged in a movie like this. Hot, 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 hot. <laughs> and the best part about it is just prior to this, she talks about how she she hates Mexican food. So Amy Poehler is with Ed Helms and... Paul Rudd is with Colby Smulders, and Jason Manzukas and Jason Manzukas' wife invite both the couples to a series of three parties. Three? Three parties. Three of them. Three of them. These people love their parties. I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's Thanksgiving, and I love how they frame every party with the, it's the, oh, it's Thanksgiving now. It's the, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> on the nose, Perfect. <laughs> And they do Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and both the couples are there and it's super awkward and, you know, Amy Poehler calls Paul Rudd an asshole and then Paul Rudd just comes out and swinging. <laughs> he says the forbidden word. Yeah, our podcast is marked explicit. I am not saying that word no. at all. It just doesn't feel right. And, you know, it's it's kind of, you know... Uh, escalating series of I'm with this person I'm with this person you know Amy Poehler's making out with Ed Helms when Paul Rudd's looking yada 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 and Ed Helms ends up proposing to Amy Poehler at the New Year's Eve party such a nard dog move dude just doesn't <laughs> learn his lesson I just love how he's walking out of the bathroom obviously just took his shit because he's buckling his pants back up that's when he decides to have an announcement. Guys, let me, hold on, let me buckle up. I've been thinking about something for a second. So Ed Helms proposes, and Amy Poehler, since Paul Rudd's there, says yes. And Paul Rudd decides that Colby Smulders doesn't love him, so he breaks up with her, but... Now what in the Sam hell's going on here? A wild Judge Judy appears. 
in a fucking Kobe Smolders mask. What is what is this? The most random cameo of them all. You always gotta have one. I mean, dodgeball had its Chuck Norris. Yeah, you know, okay, okay. you always gotta have the one oddball. It was good. I enjoyed it. Paul Rudd breaks up a Kobe Smolders judge duty, and he's still all sad. Paul Rudd. So since he's vaguely Jewish, he goes to spend some time with his bubby, which is your Yiddish word of the day. It's a grandma. Your grandma's your bubby. Bubby. And his bubby gives him some advice, and he decides to move on with his life. He goes into work, announces he's opening Cup of Joel, the coffee shop, and I quit, and I'm not going to be a bad candy executive anymore. All while, while saving her little candy store in the process, too. Nice, happy rom-com. But he finds out that Amy Poehler's getting married in 20 fucking minutes. Of course she is. What is he going to do? Well, he's got to do what he's got to do. He's got to rush over there, and he's got to stop it. So he hails, he flags down a taxi. Classic New York move. But who pulls up? Schmidt. Baby brother Schmidt. (laughs) Who's finally got his life together and got that job like Paul Rudd was pushing him to the whole time. The feel-good story of the whole freaking movie. So Joel gets to where they're having the wedding, and oh no, Amy Poehler's not there anymore. She's gone. Hmm. Where could she be? Where could she be? Where could she be? Boston? (laughs) Spoiler, she's not in Boston. She's not in Boston, but that was a fun little callback. Especially since you can just tell it's a New York street dressed up as Boston with too much Boston things all over the place. Like, oh, just perfect. So she's not in Boston, but she is at the place she did tell Joel earlier, which is uh, the Brooklyn Promenade. Park, promenade? Yeah, Brooklyn yep. Promenade. Brooklyn Promenade. Sound John. Nice. Look at you, Mr. Notes. It's the little details. And she is there, and Paul Rudd, you know, she's flying away. Her flight's in an hour. But Paul Rudd's there, and he's going to talk her into staying and being with him. We're going to get the happy ending. We're going to get the happy ending. Everybody rushes up. Everybody that was at the wedding to, to witness this. All of her friends and family. One thing I want to say, how absurd. He, he goes to find her and she's not the altar. He's like, I know where she's at. Everybody, follow me. <laughs> All the way to Boston. No, 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 fuck. We got to go back. If you're at a wedding and there's a runaway bride, though, and you have the opportunity to chase after her and see what happens next, you take that opportunity and don't ask any questions. <laughs> I agree. That's the one time I feel like in life that you're living a movie in that situation. Run, go chase, see what happens. You end up in Boston. (laughs) So while Paul Rudd is there trying to convince Amy Fuller to be with him, we get an interruption. The ex-boyfriend, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. (laughs) Which, what a surprise. Just when you think no one else is going to show up, and there's, there's fucking Negan. Like, what? And he just runs up, says this little bit. She says no. He says, okay. And just turns around and walks away. And that's that. He's just gone. (laughs) But wait, there's more. Another little rug pull. My favorite rug pull. And I was waiting the entire movie for this to happen. We've been on the paths of Pattinson, but on these little holiday breaks, we've kind of had a little... uh... We're over here doing the Shannon shake a little bit. Because we got ourselves another Michael Shannon cameo in another February holiday movie. (laughs) I think this cameo probably solidifies this movie for me because we go over all the list of people who are in it up to that point. You see all the names in the beginning, but you don't see Michael Shannon. And of course, he's the fucking crazy one in prison. And I I think there's just something about him in a leather jacket wielding a fucking sword at the end of this film that just really uh, fills me with pure joy. How can you not love a little crazy Michael Shannon? 
I do love me some funny Michael Shannon. Like, whenever Michael Shannon does a little bit of comedy... He nails it every single time. So, Michael Shannon and Paul Rudd duke it out. Michael Shannon's got a sword. Paul Rudd's knocking him around, flicks him on the forehead. (laughs) And Michael Shannon's out cold. Cops roll up. He breaks free, kind of. Which inevitably leads to his unfortunate demise. Getting shot in the fucking face. But nobody, like, nobody cares at all. This man just gets brutally murdered. And they just move on business as usual. So after the death of her uh, son's father, Amy Fuller and Paul Rudd go and get married in a nice little ceremony. And then we cut back to the restaurant with uh, Bill Hader and Ellie Kemper. And, oh, it didn't work out. Times got tough. (laughs) So stupid. I love the little Bill Hader, though. I, I want fucking out. I'm done. I want out. I'm just kidding. Nah, nah, I'll never leave you. Ha-ha. And in seeing that kind of love, Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler decide to give it another shot. Are we really getting the happy ending? Is it finally happening? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going to lean towards probably not. Sorry, I just keep thinking about Michael Shannon and his fucking sword. Yeah, and that was they came together. So yeah, so I really enjoyed, like I said, like the comedic timing of this movie. It's very my speed of comedic timing. That's why I was really excited to show it to you, John, because I know we have the same kind of taste in comedy. I kept and, s- such a, a dumb grin on my face this whole time. Like I felt like the Joker over here. Just <laughs> it, it hurt at times how how much I was smiling and laughing at this movie. It was it was a good pick. I'm happy we we sat down and watched this. And this movie was really like my kind of comedic timing and that's kind of my kind of humor. And I know it's not yours, Snort, and that's why I didn't want to. I was worried about showing this to you. I th- I think I thought just with all the people in it that I was really going to like it. So I feel like I'm a little disappointed because I thought I was going to like it more than I did. But like I said, I think it's a good movie. It's just not for me. So I think that they did it really well. They got a great cast of characters. Every fucking person in this movie is a face that you know. Yeah, I'm impressed with this cast, and I, I think I'm just happy that everybody signed up to do this. They, You know everybody did this, and they knew it was going to be a blast. They're like, hell yeah, we're going to make this movie with our friends. I think you can see how much fun they have making this movie the whole time you watch it. All right, well, hopping off the red road. We've got to focus up here, people, because there's a long path ahead of us. The path to Pattinson. I think a certain somebody is very excited for the next stop on the path to Pattinson. Guys, you have no idea how excited I am for our next couple episodes because we are taking it back to early Robert Pattinson days and watching some of my favorite movies of all time, Twilight. Heavy sigh. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've seen these movies a handful of times and I think if anything else, we're going to get some good episodes out of these. There's a lot to <laughs> a lot to deconstruct, and I'm really excited to hear you excitedly shove Twilight in our faces. <laughs> Unlike John, I haven't been uh, subjected to Twilight <laughs> up until this point in my life. I've thus avoided it. I'm excited because I like where Pattinson is and is going, so I'm excited to see where he's coming from. Content... <laughs> Wise. It's a different story. I think we're going to have some fun episodes. <laughs> and I think after the amount of movies that I've chosen mostly for John and me to watch, because <laughs> there's been a couple, I think I'm deserving of this at this point. So Yes. It was bound to happen. And now you must meet your Twilight Maker. Sparkle, sparkle. Damn right. And guess what? 
you're going to be watching a movie you've never seen. That's always fun. Yeah, so we'll be flying into Twilight uh, coming up in the next week. Snort has somehow uh, planned out an extended torture session of <laughs> back-to-back Twilights. I've got so many fun surprises. Also, you guys have no idea what you're in store for. It's going to be a whole experience of a day. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Give us a follow on Instagram and our new TikTok at THCMM Podcast. Go follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Give us a rate, review, all of the above. Yep, we're also on uh, Twitter at THCM Podcast. You can reach out to me and the Snort and the Silent John directly. All right, well, if you see three people uh, stumbling out of a foggy apartment with a pizza in the shape of a heart, come over and say hi. That might just be us. Okay, bye. Bye. Come grab a cup of Joel. Maybe we walk out of this Twihards at at the end. I don't know. Shoot. Maybe you convince us to to be on the Twilight train. We we hop on a lot of trains on this podcast, so could Twilight be the next one? Tune in later to find out. Choo choo, maybe. I'm sorry, I'm going to do impersonations of both of you. Hey, do an impersonation of each of us right now. Hey, do an impersonation of each of us right now. <laughs> it sounded very nasally. It sounded very nasally. <laughs> it sounded very broody and emo <laughs> Path to Pattinson. <laughs>